Hey, what are you barking at? Calm down. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Before we get started, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton of visibility. Share this with your friends from wherever you found it, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, we're still not on Spotify because Spotify is uh, not a friend of podcasts. Let's just be honest here. Uh, so Ray's making rude gestures towards them, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has always looked like a young Samuel L. Jackson Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you doing, bud? Unfortunately, that is in no way true, but I do have two eyes, so something in common. Ray, you've always looked like a young Samuel L. Jackson to me. <laughs> maybe maybe your spirit looks like a young Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I, do, I do use certain words more than the average human. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're talking about, we got some uh, set photos from uh, the Captain Marvel shoot where You've got uh, Brie Larson as Carol Danvers in the old Captain Marvel uni. The the was that teal seafoam? What is that? What is that? Green hunter hunter green? I don't know. There are Whatever. only six green. colors in my world, so <laughs> so it's Blue. green and black with the with the star on the front, and then you got a young Samuel L. Jackson with hair and a right eye. So we can presume that his left eye is also there because that's not the one that was missing. Hold on. Uh, By hair, you mean? Whatever Carlos Boozer was putting on his head in the Bulls days. Because. <laughs> it looks. It doesn't look like a spray. It looks a bit thicker than that. But. It, it was Boozer esque, I, I think we could say. Boozian? It was Boozian. <laughs> Not. <laughs> too many jokes there. No, so. But we. That basically confirms all the talk. Like Kevin Feige said a while back that we will see how he loses his eye. He said it in, I think, the first Avengers film that the last time he trusted somebody, I lost an eye. So there are, uh, there are Kree about and scroll about and it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun time. So we're not here to talk about Captain Marvel just yet. Uh, we are going to talk real briefly before we jump in uh, to Infinity War, because that's what the bulk of today's probably really long show is going to be. Uh, we got some news from ComicGenre.com. Uh, they had some exclusive reporting late last week, actually, that the Disney Fox deal is moving forward, and that Dark Phoenix is going to be the last Fox Marvel movie. That it's going to close out that continuity, and that the uh, the big news out of this, honestly, we knew that that would be sunsetting eventually. But the big news is that the X Men are going to be integrated into the MCU, which is something that we, um, you know, we knew that was going to happen. We've speculated that the reason why we don't have a ton of Phase Four movies is because it's going to feature the likes of the Fantastic Four and the X Men, which is really one of the major reasons why Disney purchased uh, most of Fox's properties that are not Fox News and Fox Sports big umbrella. So Ray. What does this mean to you as far as the future of the MCU? What do you want to see out of this from uh, Marvel moving forward? I don't really know. Like, I I don't have any specific hopes and dreams because we've actually lived in the X Men world for a long, quite some time now. So it's like it's like there's a lot that's already been done there. So it's not like you're really like uh, itching. Maybe the Gambit movie actually gets made at some point in time. <laughs> we'll see. But the but yeah, I, I'm not really like it. It's not like that big of a deal to me. It is interesting though when when you sent that news to me, the first thought I had is, 
oh yeah, they're going to have to recast all of these characters. Which for most of them, that's fine, right? Like I, I like Marsden as much as the the next person, and he's fine on so Westworld. So not much, but like, and he was great as Tina Fey's uh, love interest on Thirty Rock. He he should do comedies. Like that should be where he sticks. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but he should do that. But yeah, I mean, no one's going to be real sad that they recast Cyclops, but Wolverine, Professor X. Yeah, I don't know what you do there. You've got you've had two basically perfect castings for uh for Charles Xavier and for uh Magneto. So I don't know. Oh yeah, Magneto. How you I didn't even forward. think about Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. What do you do here? Yeah, I don't know. Like because like even like the old X-Men and like the Days of Future Past X-Men, they got those right. Yeah. Can you just bring in McAvoy? Can you do that? Can you just bring in Fastbender? We'll talk about this more in a few minutes, but we basically now have a MacGuffin that allows essentially anything to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we can bend and alter reality to our whims, as we will talk about in just a moment. So yeah, um, I'm excited. You know, one of the things that, you know, Deadpool is specifically mentioned in, uh, Deadpool and Fantastic Four both are specifically mentioned in this report um, that they say in, and I hate this verbiage, that Kevin Feige is hoovering up all of the Fox Marvel characters and already planning for them to go into Phase 4, including the X-Men, Deadpool, and the Fantastic Four. Well, Deadpool, he can't... What if he gets to meet actual X-Men? That'll ruin one of the more fun jokes. It was interesting that Deadpool was a preview played before Infinity War, which I don't know if that would have happened if this deal's not going down. So that was really an interesting. That was really an interesting thing. But but yeah, that's uh, it makes sense. Put them all together and you know see what comes out of it. Speaking of putting them all together and seeing what comes out of it, uh, thank you for the segue, Ray. We uh, both had the opportunity this weekend to see. Uh, a little movie called uh, I Feel Pretty. And so we're going to spend <laughs> the next 45 minutes talking about uh, that Amy Schumer vehicle. No, we, uh, Ray Hold and on. I both. We could probably talk about if that movie was offensive or not. Because I haven't, I don't know yet. And I, uh, I've i read a couple of people that said it wasn't, some people said it would. That might be, that'll be, that'll be next week's podcast. It's basically reverse Shallow Howl, right? Like that's what it is? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. It's. But, like, Shallow How was, like, about other people's appearances. This is about her appearance. I don't know. Why is it always about the woman's appearance? Hmm. Hmm. Two woke nerds. Uh, So we're going to talk. A little movie came out called uh, Avengers Infinity War, which is just absolutely demolishing basically every box office record that exists. So it has edged out uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens by a meager $3 million to claim the uh, biggest domestic opening weekend in history. Disney now owns all five of the top five <laughs> biggest openings in U.S. history, meaning the uh, Infinity War is one, Force Awakens is two, there's another Marvel movie in there, probably Black Panther at three. I think Force Awake, or, uh, Last Jedi's at four, and five is some other Marvel movie. I don't recall. Avatar, but yeah. probably. No, it's it's a hundred percent a Marvel film. What? Awesome. Like it, it is three Marvel movies and the two new Star Wars films. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So a lot of people saw this movie. Surprise, no one. Uh, that a lot of people saw uh, the culmination of basically 10 years worth of filmmaking. You know, they teased this first at the end of Avengers as our post credit stinger. And now, you know, we are in 2018 and we saw the infinity war. So before we jump in, I just, I want to say this in all sincerity. If you have not seen infinity war, 
please do not listen to this. If you do not want to be spoiled, because there is zero way to discuss this film without spoiling something. And Ray and I are going to just spoil the heck out of it. So if you haven't seen this movie, this is your last chance. Pause the podcast, go to your local theater, preferably something with reserved seating and good food, and view this movie. And then three hours later, listen to us on the way home as you process. All right. That's it. So everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I, we were doing our predictions things. We were trying to do like some hot predictions. And I, I thought that, I thought that Iron Man would be the one to die. And that would basically be it. And we would leave something for the next movie. And yeah. I was wrong. Ah, goodness, I was wrong. Uh, they killed everybody. Like, yeah. everybody except the core original Avengers, essentially. Well, technically, they killed half of everybody, Ray. No. <laughs> not not amongst our heroes. It didn't, no. seem, it didn't seem that way at all. Not even close. And um, they killed... I don't like, by the way, that they killed... Like, so, this movie hit when those deaths were happening. Because mm-hmm. of how well they were done and how yeah. well they were acted, specifically Tom Holland. Mm. Uh, just, I don't want to go, I feel funny. It just was heart-wrenching. Yeah. Be- before you go into that, yeah. it, it was the snap. Like, Ray called it yeah. months and months and months ago. And then I talked myself out of it. Yep. He got <laughs> all of the stones. And they talked about it throughout the movies. Like, no, there's no way they're talking about it this much and they're actually going yeah. to do the snap. And then the snap happened and uh, people just started disintegrating. Do you know my problem about that was? I wished that that would have been the end of the movie. I wish you would have snapped and that would have been the end. And then everything we saw were post-credit scenes. So we could have had a post-credit scene with him on his on his ranch or whatever that was. We could have had a post-credit scene with everybody disintegrating and then we could have had the the final post-credit scene, right? Like that would have been better to me, but I, I guess you can't quibble. But it, the snap was the end of the movie. That was the end of the movie and everything that happened after that was a was a um epilogue. So like I I I wasn't so fond of that. But anyway, what is the point I was making is that Intellectually, we know that there's no way that they killed off Black Panther because no. Black Panther is the future of their franchise. We know that they didn't kill out the Guardians of the Galaxy because we know for a fact that they're making Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, like, it's... Yeah, they may have killed off a one particular Guardian. Sure. We'll talk about that yeah. more in just a second. Sure, but intellectually, we know that that didn't happen. But it was still, in the moment, hit you because of how well it was done and how well it was acted. And I told you before air... The silence in the theater whenever the credits started rolling was astounding. I, mean, I don't – I have not experienced that. It was just – perhaps I have. I don't remember it. But this type of just just utter shock. I noticed that I was, I was literally slackjaw at one point in time. And I just noticed it. I went, oh, goodness. This is happening. When all the deaths are happening, you know, everybody is slowly disintegrating. And they do this really, really jerky thing where they do a slow camera push in on cap. And my wife's leg is bruised because I squeezed it so hard <laughs> preparing myself to weep. Like, cap, like, they do this slow push in on cap, and I'm like, no, like, no, uh, no, no, like, they can't, that can't be the way it happens. But it wasn't, it would, it would have been perfect because that's, 
I, that's just what it, it it was just so good it was so perfect the the honestly the one that got me was Okoye Denai Guerrero's reaction to Black Panther disintegrating she's just distraught like it looked like a when a when you know you you think about a family member passing suddenly like just the the shock the anguish the uh the despair on her face, the confusion on what is happening, like that was probably uh, for me just as moving as the as the Tony uh, Tony Parker, <laughs> uh, Peter Parker, Tony Stark reaction. Tony Parker is a French basketball player, uh, so for me, like that was huge. And again, um, that whole parent story comes to a head. You know, you you see early on Tony Stark is talking about, you know, I had a dream we had a kid, yeah. uh, and then he's this father figure to to Spider-Man to Peter Parker and he dies in his arms like wow like holy Moses I don't know what else to do and then it goes from there to Thanos sitting on his farm watching the sunrise yeah exactly what he said he was going to do and we'll talk more about this in in just a few minutes but like that like I, I, I don't believe in perfection per se but I think Thanos in this movie was as close as you could possibly get yeah, I thought they did such a good job with him. And it started in the first it started in the first scene. They they what they were able to do with that Hulk fight was show how strong he was. Like they showed how strong he was. He stood toe to toe and beat up the Hulk. So bad that he didn't want to come out anymore. That's right. That's all you need to know. Like that's literally all you need to know about how strong he was. And they didn't have to tell us and they didn't have to have some terrible piece of dialogue where he's the strongest person in the universe although that did happen later with rough from Marfalo. but like they showed you immediately oh this dude is not to be trifled with and i and i really i love that and and the surrounding characters around him weren't that good <laughs> um aside from maul who was just just spectacular. Just a great, great character. He was the only character of the Black Order. That is 100% true. And he was spe- a spectacular character. Like, just the, just like the serenity while he's just murking people was, was amazing. Like, his, his religious fanaticism was just, it was great. But the rest of them were terrible. And even so, the villain in this movie was was just was great. You know that opening scene you talk about it, just the 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 almost banal way that they deal with him. You know, systematically dismantling the strongest character in the in the universe, and really how they're all just calmly walking through after killing literally half of the Asgardians. Yeah. Like that is, you know, they're just calmly walking through. They they kill Heimdall with very little fanfare. You know, he picks up and chokes out, and then snaps Loki's neck. Um, so double kill, make sure he's not coming back. He says there's no resurrections this time. Um, you know, that whole thing is just, just unsettling is the only way I can describe it. And you know, that for me, you know, on top of that, just the Josh Brolin crushed it. Like his portrayal of Thanos was phenomenal. Um, and here's, here's the thing that kind of struck me is he is obviously a, crazy person, a homicidal crazy person, but he may not have, he, he may have a good point that he goes about the wrong way, which is now the second time in a row that we've seen this. Now, granted, uh, you know, his, his goal is I want everybody to be, be well fed and I want everybody that's alive to be well taken care of. And, 
you know, instead of collecting the stones and snapping his fingers to double the amount of resources in the universe, he goes about it the other way. And, you know, again, a good villain doesn't think they're the villain of their own story. And Thanos not only did not think he was the villain, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was doing the right thing. In his eyes, he was doing the right thing, and he said that, that that there are many that could do this, but not everybody has the will. Yeah, he said exactly, I know that I'm right, whenever she said, you think you're right. He said, I know that I'm right. And you mentioned it, this is, you said second in a row. It's been more than that in a row now, but maybe second in a row where we we really associate with him. I associate with Killmonger so much that I think that T'Challa was the villain. So I am with you there. And uh, Thanos was certainly sympathetic he wasn't at that sympathetic but i will say that the this probably isn't the right word since we're talking about a titan but the way that they humanized him in the way that he acquired the soul stone was was just fantastic it was a really fantastic scene first of all all props to you because you predicted out of thin air that red skull was going to be in this movie I'm doing a little shoulder shimmy for, the, for those of you he, that are not watching the video because there's not one. And he randomly shows up, which I don't, I, are you a wizard? Like, I'm not sure how that happened. But, uh, but anyway, so they, so they, you know, they, that scene where he has to, to achieve what he thinks is his fate what he thinks is his what he thinks he has to do to save the universe because he thinks he is saving the universe and that's so important to remember he is going to give up maybe the only thing that he loves and may, perhaps the only thing he loves in Gamora and that was just such a a humanizing scene and the fact that he didn't do it dispassionately like he did every other thing every other horrific thing he did in the movie he did dispassionately when he's running through the avengers at the end to get to vision there's no emotion on his face he's just this is just it was like he was working on a factory floor that is what it looked like except for this moment so it was just a really a a great great scene yeah and and you know the the line where Red Skull says, you know, you see Thanos turn around and he's crying and Gamora is celebrating like, oh, you can't get this because you love nothing. And then Red Skull says he's not crying for himself. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like in and I assumed that was where it was going to go. But the fact that it happened like that again was was fantastic and won all of our soulstone predictions uh, except for Ray's adherence to the Thanos theory of where all the infinity stones are so let's let's just do this while we're on there so the h is for hail hydra yep because red skull I created hydra I no, even, it's a stretch i even it's think the, that was a stretch it's the biggest stretch in the world i'm trying to help you out but i was ho- i was really hoping that the planet they were going to was an h but it was like veramir or something like that it started with a V, I know. Yeah, I got I got nothing. I was trying to help you out right now. So, like, for me, that just that whole journey, like, I he treated it as a burden. Like, he knew it was a burden. He said, like, I'm the only one with the will to do this. Like, that, for me, again, makes him head and shoulders above anything we've seen in, in, any, in any film, you know, in the last probably, in any film in this genre, probably in the last five or ten years. You know, even better than Killmonger, who, who again... Three months ago, I was like, Killmonger's the best, and and Marvel continues to elevate its game. You know, for me, this is 
that whole moment, that the end, the snap, you know, his his journey and the way this film ended is the only thing I could think of when I walked out was this was our Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it was fantastic. And you say he's better than Killmonger. I don't because ultimately, and this is going to sound weird for someone who loves sci-fi and fantasy, but ultimately there is still something more real and empathetic about something grounded in reality. And Killmonger was so grounded in reality. You take away Vibranium, you take away the Heartshade Herb, you take away Wakanda and Black Panther. What he was talking about was so grounded in our reality where I know that people think that resources are scarce, but that's kind of a common fallacy of the of the people uh, of the of the general populace in which reality it, it, it's not we just don't allocate them well and so like I think I, I that one doesn't really that idea doesn't resonate with me as much as as killmongers which is there are disenfranchised people without power that are tread upon literally every day and we have the power to help them and we're not doing it. I don't I guess I guess that's it. The message, Killmonger's message. I'm trying to I'm kind of working through this out loud. Killmonger's message resonated more with me. And I think that still keeps him on top. But yeah, I'm not saying anything about Thanos the character. Yeah, no, it was it was phenomenal. So I think the other thing we really have to have to digest here is, you know, we talked briefly about it, but but the characters and we'll start with the character deaths and I guess work our way backwards from there. Um I don't know how else to do that. So I've got I've got a list pulled up. So confirmed dead. Vision had his head crushed in. Yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch dissolved. Black Panther dissolved. Uh, Falcon dissolved. Uh, Winter Soldier dissolved. Tony Parker. I did it again. <laughs> Peter Parker dissolved. <laughs> Tony Parker, the basketball player. His career is probably dissolving at this point. Yeah. He's, he's he dissolved retire, two but. marriages at the same time. Yikes. Okay. Um, I I don't know if I could recover from that. Uh, Groot dissolved. Mantis dissolved. Star-Lord and Drax both dissolved. Gamora got tossed off a cliff. And Stephen Strange dissolved before imparting some wisdom on us. So every one of the Guardians except Rocket is gone. Yep. Is it a rabbit, you mean? Yeah, rabbit. (laughs) Every one of the Guardians except, except the rabbit is is gone so i'm i'm fascinated by this because intellectually we know that at least some of those people are coming back yes and academically if, we do have that knowledge and if some of them are coming back then all of them have to be coming back right but the, i would assume but the two that are 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 trickier are loki which loki's gone he did literally right after that uh, Thanos said, there will be no resurrections this time. He literally said those words. That is all that you need to know. They were te- they, That wasn't him talking to Thor. That was the writers talking to us, the public, uh, to the Hiddlestoners, that he is, <laughs> that Loki is gone. Uh, Gamora, I don't know. I don't know how you have Guardians of the Galaxy without her. But she has, and this is real world, so this is a little breaking kayfob. Uh, that's a wrestling term. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for throwing out wrestling terms. But, like, she's having to make, what, six Avengers movies? I mean, uh, Avatar movies? Yes, yeah, she is. She's making a ton of Avatar movies? Like, is, is this her out? I don't know. That one. Oh, that one. I don't know. But I, I'd like to get away from the deaths and just talking about, like, the, the groupings they did. We talked about how 
how are you going to have a movie with all of these characters? And we figured it out, what was it, like three trailers ago, that they mm-hmm. created groups of characters and treated yeah. that as basically a character, which was really a smart thing to do on their part. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, my favorite group of characters, bar none, was the Tony Stark-led characters as added to with Star-Lord and Drax. Because, the New Guardians. Because uh, Stark and Strange together magnificent just magnificent like that was so their back and forth was great um drax is my favorite character in the mcu and it's not close anymore like he is spectacular bautista speaking of wrestling is unbelievable in that role just unbelievable in that role he like almost all the laugh out loud movies and moments in that movie came from him saying that uh, he's like he's like a pirate and an angel had a baby. <laughs> and they call him Pirate Angel the rest of the time. It's glorious. His I'm so still that I'm invisible scene was like You're still you're still eating those nuts. Was was outstanding. Like everything I don't know, everything about him is it's perfect. I loved that that grouping. I would like that grouping to just make movies from now on. I, I've said on record now that Marvel Cinematic, Marvel Studios has um, it has the Fantastic Four, and we have Black Panther, and we have Tony Stark, and I want to see a Marvel Illuminati. I want to see Tony Stark and you know uh, Reed Richards and you know Doctor Strange. The only one that we technically have but don't have is Black Bolt, but whatever nobody watched that show so we can recast uh, so i would love to see those i the whole time the entire time that steven strange and tony stark were together i wanted a beard buddies movie a beard buddies comment and we didn't get it that is my biggest beef with this film is that we had the opportunity to bring together the beard buddies and it didn't happen uh it was just like you, you like you look at them they even had profile shots of them talking to each other you could see that they have the same beard give me the beard buddies now uh i love that pairing um the moment where and you saw it in the trailers but it was even funnier in the movie where um tony stark just kind of zones out where he's like this is actually what's happening like this is what's going on around me um and really the you know to bring it more serious the the evolution of the Tony Stark you know Stephen Strange relationship through that and Stephen Strange's and we'll talk more about this in the theories section of today um you know his his trust in Tony Stark to do what needs to be done cannot be understated because he tell he says I would trade I would gladly trade your life to protect the the time stone he says that yeah and then at the end, when they when he sees the one of the fourteen million outcomes, he sees the one. He knows that that Thanos has to get the stone, and Tony has to live. Like he knows that, uh, and that was just a huge moment uh, for me. The Thor rocket and Groot stuff was just phenomenal. Uh, it, it may have gone on maybe one scene too long, um, but the the relationship between those three you have a, a character that has journeyed in, you know, in Thor, he's, he's gone from, you know, super Shakespearean, serious, everything to, you know, you see the cracks and you see the, um, you see all the, the splits in, in, as he goes through his journey, uh, and, in his relationship with, with Groot and Rocket is just hilarious, you know, yeah. rabbit and tree as he calls them. Um, it's super funny. We got, we figured out who the heck Dinklage was playing, yeah. <laughs> which that was, was fun. Uh, cool. 
Yeah, that was really fun. Did they finally break those that metal off his hands? How no. is he eating? I have I so know. many questions. I, I'm very worried about Dinklage's character. I don't even remember his name, but I'm very worried about the dwarf who's somehow giant. I uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about about that character. Yeah, it, it's I don't I didn't get really invested in it because it seemed like a side quest. Like it seemed like the thing you do while you're waiting for while you're waiting for the other thing to finish in like a in like a adventure game. So I an open world game. So like I didn't. I didn't get too invested. I do like those characters, obviously. Um, and uh, I I didn't particularly care for the effect that Thor... We just had a movie less than a year ago in which Thor learned that he didn't need his weapon to fight and to call down th- Thunder. And then we immediately in this movie have him saying... In fact, his entire story in this movie is him saying i need a weapon to be able to fight which uh, it's weird just weird i would say it is weird but i think it's also because thanos is in another class of than hella even um but that being said his entrance with stormbreaker when he arrives in wakanda was the oh crap moment of that film oh yeah was like the the I went on Thursday night, so it's normally a raucous crowd anyways, and people are cheering and screaming and just having a blast uh, when that happens. It was I, I thought it was so cool. Uh, the moment where, where Groot met um, you know, Steve Rogers yeah. was great. You know, I am Groot. Well, I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> that, was, that was a great moment. Um, you know, with that, though, I think some of the stuff in Wakanda did fall flat for me a bit. It just felt um, very time fillery. It felt very rote. Like, we've seen this over and over and over again. And it was like, it was almost like the the most, I mean, the least interesting group was the Cap group. Yeah. There was just, they didn't have anything to do. And I and I guess that that's, that's why that battle happens, by the way. That battle happens because they had nothing to do. And so they had to, you know, they had to set it up. And that battle happens also because they used a, they used a plot device with Hulk, which I didn't particularly like, where, oh, well, Banner can't get the Hulk to come out, which just seems extra convenient because he would have wiped the floor with with all, the entirety of the children if if they would have just let him come out. So I wasn't particularly fond of that either. It seemed, it felt really plot devicey. You know what I'm saying? And so I wasn't a fan of that. But, I mean, it was good action. We got some good action scenes, and we got the girl showdown. Uh, with Proxima, and so it was. You know, it was good, but yeah, it was. It was. It was my least. Fa- that fight was my least. Probably my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it it felt it it just felt flat. Now, with that being said, the train station fight, on the other hand, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Probably some of my favorite action in the film outside of the big showdown with Thanos on Titan, seeing Dr. Strange sling around the daggers of Danak. That was just cool to see. You hadn't really seen any of that ever. Um, so yeah, that one, the, you know, the, the Stefan Wakanda wasn't great. There were some cool moments in there. Seeing Cap and Black Panther in a foot race was, was really cool for me. That was really interesting. Um, did I do it again? No, you got that one. Okay, cool. So yeah, seeing them in a foot race was uh, was phenomenal, and I, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, I think 
overall, I, I love this movie. And I'm going to see it again, and I'm going to love it. Now, for a lot of people, this isn't going to be the one that they rewatch ever, probably. Uh, again, there are a lot of people that probably didn't uh, appreciate it. So, I, I don't know, but I... As a comic fan, as a fan of these characters, as somebody who's been on this journey for 18 movies, like for me, it was exactly what it should have been. It felt like a summer event comic, like, you know, Marvel and DC do every year when their summer sales dip. They do a big event to get people back in. And it felt like that, where if you're not reading the other lines, if you haven't read Captain America issue 73 and the Avengers 12 and all these other ones, you don't exactly know where the plot is, but if you read it long enough, you'll figure it out. Uh, And I, I absolutely had a blast. Yeah. I think that unfortunately my, my prediction, the only prediction I ended up getting right is that people are leaving this movie disappointed Uh, because I don't know if they were ready for, like the weight of it like because this is a summer blockbuster movie those normally don't have no weight and that's why i think you saying this is our empire strike back rings true because that's exactly what happened at the end of that movie like you you left it going oh this what's what's happened to our heroes right and so i think that i think that was true as well and i think that kind of when we get further away from this Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe people will appreciate it more. And I, I mean, I, I don't think it's been received poorly, but I do think there's an air of the comments I read about it on, you know, whatever forums, Facebook, whatever, seem to be, I was broken by this movie. I can't believe that some of these things happened, which, you know, it's not normally what you get from a Marvel movie. And so I'm, I'm really interested in kind of that reaction to it. But for me, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, and uh, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And it was really, in, in many ways, the anti-Avengers want. Like, it was very much where you could drop into that movie and, and not have seen anything leading up to it, and you were fine. You could, obviously, if you saw everything that led up to it, then you'd have a richer experience. But, you know, if you just dropped into it, where uh, this, on the other hand, like, my, my sister-in-law has not seen a ton of them. I think she's probably seen maybe two or three. And she's like, can I see this? And I said, absolutely not. Like, you will hate this if you haven't, if you've only seen Black Panther and Guardians. Like, you're not going to get it. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've told her, like, I will sit down and watch all 18 films with you. I will do that. I will bite that bullet for you. Uh, that's a joke. I would just love to do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, you know, for, for me, like you said, it was, it was phenomenal. So the last thing we want to do this is I'm going to float some theories out there to you, Ray. And I want you to, to see where we're at. Cause you, you're still kind of, you're still kind of shook. You haven't been able to get and move past this. I have not moved past this movie in fact whenever right before we started recording i was halfway through watching it again like i have not i have not moved past this movie yet so we're, i'm gonna throw a couple theories out at you and see where we're at so first theory they're not gone they're trapped in the soul stone yeah so that makes sense because as soon as he snaps his fingers he goes somewhere and young gamora is there right and i can't believe we didn't talk about this we definitely should have talked about this where is he and it makes sense that he's in the soul stone because if I am correct in my mythology, and you could explain this better because you uh, read the comics religiously and I do not. Uh, if you've listened to this first time, I freely admit that I don't read the comics religiously. But there's like a there's like a pocket inside the soul stone that that collects like well, explain it. What what is what am I talking about? Well, people, people's souls kind of exist in the soul stone. Adam Warlock was, was trapped in there for a bit and, and, um, 
you know, people, people get, people get trapped in the soul stone. That's kind of what it does. That's why you, I think you needed the death of somebody to release the soul stone because it needed some energy. Well, the fact that Gamora's in there and she's a child, the fact that she's in there, doesn't that suggest that she's coming back? If that's where he went. So that scene was really fascinating to me. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm mad. It just slipped past my brain. That scene that he went there and met her before going off to his ranch or whatever that was, was which I hope they have blue milk if all is well. They, <laughs> they, like that scene seemed important. Like they were showing us something that pointed to what's going to happen in the next movie. So yeah, I buy that theory. One, I think that I don't know if that in my mind I don't know if that actually happened. I think that um, that Gamora is going to torture him mentally. I think he's going to be. Um, mentally disturbed by what happened and that's going to play a part in in what happens to reverse it now i i am of the camp that i think gamora is probably perma dead just based upon zoe saldana's filming schedule and her <laughs> commitment to being around for her family you can't do two major franchises and be a mom all at the same time that's just kind of not possible uh so i think that she's dead logistically <laughs> that's just that's kind of just where my head goes with that but I, i'd be glad to be wrong she's phenomenal as gamora um, my next theory is that it's going to require Tony Stark and or Steve Rogers sacrificing themselves as they talked about trading lives for lives throughout that entire film to get these characters back. Uh, I don't know. That seems too like pretty. Like it seems like, first of all, Steve Rogers sacrificing himself. He's already done that. Yeah. In fact, they vision mentions it. You've already they talked about it. You've yeah. already done it. Tony Stark sacrificing himself would be because nobody likes Tony Stark more than Tony Stark, just like nobody likes RDJ more than RDJ. So I that that's interesting, but I just I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of we're going to we're going to try to find these we're going to try to find these stones kind of situation. I don't know about the sacrifice, but of course to get Soul Stone you have to sacrifice. I don't know. That'd be interesting. So you say it's you think it's going to be like the Dragon Balls? Every time somebody uses them, they get scattered and you have to refine them. Well, no, they were still on his gauntlet. First of all, yeah, thanks for that reference. But they were uh, they were still on they were still on the gauntlet. So I don't know that was destroyed, by the way. Yeah, the gauntlet's gone. So are we going to get more Dinklage? I think we're going to get more Dinklage. They don't show the mold for the Infinity Gauntlet still being in that forge if we're not going to get another gauntlet yeah. formed. Like that for me is probably the the biggest Chekhov's gun that will be fired in Avengers 4. My last theory is we get a time jump several years into the future and there is time travel shenanigans to get us back to where we left off. That would be interesting because I do think that it would be I do think it would be a good storytelling kind of move to show us the universe that Thanos created. To even give to, because like, so he said, so he said to Gamora while they were talking about it, he said, your planet was filled with hunger and poverty and death, right? And then he goes, and now the children that are born there are well fed, they're healthy, all of these things. So what he's saying is that what I did worked. And so it would be interesting to see what the earth looks like, what any of the other you know planets we, we know of look like two or three years on from what he's done, which which would make maybe make what he's doing more 
more sympathetic. Like we, you could you could empathize more with what he did if, well, yeah, you know it. It did look good. Although it's funny that Carrie Coon is in this as Proxima, and we've already she was in a show called The Leftovers, which suggested that a lot of people leaving and suddenly dying does not make the world a better place. So it's uh, especially for the the people there. So yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting idea. One, it just be interesting to see on screen, like how do you how does a society deal with half of it being instantly gone? How do you recover from that? What do you do? And the other thing I'd like to see is, you know what, if he was right and if things are getting better, how do the heroes reconcile working to undo that? I would love to see the the mental gymnastics that these, these heroes have to go through to say, well, I know everybody's well-fed. I know that we've solved hunger and poverty, but I want to undo all that. How do they... How do they reconcile that? Like that would be something interesting for me to see on screen. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the like we have these conversations or these conversations are had in hushed tones over the internet all the time, right? And so it would be an interesting idea like to say to say this idea worked, but was it good? I think it would be. Yeah. I'm I I like that idea quite a bit. I don't know if they're going to do it because they only have so much time and they have a lot of loose ends to tie up they've got a lot of dust to sweep up as it were <laughs> so so it's it's yeah i don't know if they're gonna be able to do it but i do like that idea i like the idea of living in the world that thanos created and and seeing how it works and then that creating some type of of moral quandary for for the heroes who are left. Yeah, that'd be really fascinating. I, again, don't think we're going to get that, yeah. but that's a movie I would love, love, love to see. Well, that is our Avengers Infinity War discussion. So that brings us to the part of the show where everybody loves it. Your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment, don't sleep on it. So, Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? Well, second season of Handmaid's Tale is upon us. There have just been two episodes because Hulu releases them weekly, unlike every other streaming service where so you actually have to wait for them to release which I'm not a fan of but there've only been two and uh, it's just as good as the first season so far the world is expanding it's even more horrifying than you could ever imagine <laughs> um the you know our main character June she's she's really dealing with what happened in the world I think maybe for the first time it's 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 pretty pretty terrible but it's very well done uh my 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 crush marissa tomei shows up so that's always wonderful and uh, i i i like where they're going at least where i think that they're going and it's going to be interesting to to kind of see see how this world develops so i would very much recommend if you haven't watched the first season of handmaid's tale go watch it they're all available on hulu and then the second season, I uh, I'm enjoying as well. That's something that my wife and I need to catch up on. It's just one of those, the shows start piling up, and you only get so many hours, and it just it has not been on the uh, on the top of the list. But it definitely should get shuffled up there. So one of the shows that I watch when my wife isn't around, and not in a weird way, is uh, Samurai Jack. If you have not ever seen Samurai Jack, it is uh, a Cartoon Network show from the early 2000s. Ironically, as Ray talked about a show that's on Hulu, this is also only on Hulu. Um, and the premise is 
pretty simple. A uh, samurai who's sworn to vanquish evil gets transported through time, uh, and the time he lands in, evil has won, is kind of the quick rundown of Samurai Jack. Um, and he's trying to get back to his time so he can uh, avenge it. But really, like, for me, this was one of the earliest shows that showed me what animation and animated shows can be. It was so well done. It's Gennady Tartakovsky, who is hands down one of the best TV animators of probably the last 20 years. His style is so cool. The shows that he does, um, just so visually arresting. They're, they're so unique. Um, but it's just a really well done show. Um, you know, the first episode takes you through an entire time travel situation and there are no words. And it's just really cool to watch. So uh, if you haven't watched it, I think I've probably talked about it on here before, but I just absolutely adore that show. Uh, check it out again. It's all on Hulu. They're like 52 episodes, so it's not even really that deep of an investment on uh, as far as catching up and watching an entire series go. So Samurai Jack on the Hulu. I'm, I'm severely enjoying myself. But that is all we have for you this week. I say all like this show isn't pushing an hour. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Ray, where can the good folks find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at RM Summerlin. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Two Woke Nerds. And feel free to choose an email, Two Woke Nerds Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, stay woke. Stay woke. <laughs>